Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But how to stop the pain, the subtitle of the book is uh, Pain is Inevitable, Suffering is Optional. You're going to get hurt. People are going to hurt you. You're probably going to hurt other people. Other people will offend you. You're probably going to offend other people. Now, how long you sit in it and how much significance you attach to it depends on how long it's going to hurt you. I don't care what it is, how deep it is or how dark it is or how painful it is. It might be the worst atrocity committed to you, upon you, from someone else. It's still up to you how much you let that thing sit within you and define you. That offense, that injustice, that trauma, it's up to you of what you're going to let it happen. So someone planted that seed in you, they took advantage of you, or they just, just a basic offense. Maybe they just didn't do what you wanted them to do, and you just got offended for whatever reason. Whatever level, the significance that you attach to it will be the pain that you carry around with it. So we really could just end this whole ser- ser- uh, sermon series by just saying, get over it. Let it go, right? Either they didn't mean to, or they were a jerk, or they were evil. Seriously, get over it. Amen? But I got some more stuff that will help you here. <laughs> judgment is really kind of defined. It's, you know, when we think of judgment, we think of, did they do it or not? Like our court system is set up to find a judgment to determine, did they do it or not? You're innocent until proven guilty. So we're looking to see if we need to prove them guilty. So the judge sits and presides, collects all the evidence. Here's the evidence, makes a decision and says, you did it, you're guilty. Now here's your sentence with your punishment. And this is what we do to other people is that we judge. So it's not judgment to observe what they did. It's judgment to assume why they did what they did. And that's really the context of the whole book is get out of other people's heads, get out of other people's hearts, and communicate. If you have the opportunity to communicate with the person that has offended you or done something against you, communicate. Hey, you did this and it made me feel this way. You said this and it made me think this way and feel this way. Is that what you meant? They may say, yep. And you're like, okay, at least now I know, (laughs) jerk. Or they may say, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant. But you have to be open to listen and take them at their word for what they're saying they meant rather than not believing them and not listening to them. Now, they might lie to you, and you got to figure, you know, you got to still walk it out. But if you go to someone honestly and openly and communicate, hey, you know, I'm 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 struggling here. This happened. There's a thing between us now. Let's talk about it. You know, this this is how I'm feeling about what went down. And they might say, oh, man, that's not... You know, that's not what I meant. And sometimes they might even say, that's not even what I said. And they'll tell you what they said, and you're, and you're convinced that you heard something else. We live in this world. And we, we, unfortunately, we let that stuff shape how we see ourselves. But then we also put judgment of motive on God. And this is what we talked about last week. I prayed. That didn't happen. I know it's a promise as a result of the salvation of Christ and the inheritance I have as a child in the kingdom of God. I know that this promise is for me. I prayed it didn't happen. God, you didn't give it to me. 
God, you don't want it for me. God, I get it. You don't do that anymore. God, you didn't want to give that one to that one because you need that one to suffer a little while longer, but this one over here you like better, so you gave it to that one. Are you with me? We start judging God of what people receive when it's like, no, really, it's up to us of what we're going to let ourselves receive. So we judge God and we harden our heart toward Him based on our circumstances. It's like we make a mess of our lives or somebody else makes a mess of our life and then we blame it on God. Now there's whole theologies built upon all of life is a script that God has written and you're just playing this thing out. You might think that you have free will, but really he's already written it all and you're a character in his story and you're just unfolding and life is happening to you. That's one way to see it. Another way to see it is he's given you free will. He's given you this planet. It's up to you to choose. Now, he owns the planet. He's given you a way to live. He's placed his spirit within you. He's given his standards and rules and laws, but it's up to you what kind of mess or what kind of glory you're going to make out of your life. So it's challenging. You know, people kind of start to hear this message about no condemnation, about God loves you, that God is not holding your sin against you, that you are not a sinner any longer, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You start hearing all that kind of stuff, and people start thinking, well, wait a minute, you're saying that I can just sin and get away with it. No, there's actually more responsibility in a message that says you do not have a sin nature than there is in a message that says you still have partial sin nature, but you got to fight it. Amen. See, because if you still have partial sin nature, you got an excuse for your sin. Well, I'm just still a sinner. No, you're not. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if you choose to sin, it's because you are thinking it and you want it. So we don't get to blame God on our life circumstances. Now, because people will always ask, well, God's suffering persecution, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, now if God calls you into a specific area of ministry and you go and you stand up for the gospel and you receive persecution in your life, there's suffering in your life as a result of you proclaiming the gospel, that's the only kind of God-endorsed suffering that exists for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the message. You might experience that. You might lose your life under that type of persecution. But the stuff that we blame on God in our, in our daily lives is not designed by Him to make you suffer to experience some holiness. No, I mean things like sickness or a, a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one. God is not crap or a, a tsunami that wipes out an entire island. God is not doling out judgment or behaviors now because all His judgment has fallen upon Jesus. Now, I'm just kind of giving you a big old steak right here to chew on because, I mean, this is really where this is really the context of this whole series understanding how we judge each other, understanding how to forgive and let that stuff go, which we've talked about, and then realizing how much we judge God. And now, today, I want to talk about self-judgment, self-condemnation, you beating yourself up. you Because I'm telling you, if you let people treat you the way that you treat you, you would be on the attack toward those people. I mean, think about it. How you talk to yourself, if you let other people talk to you that way. So, I'm going to show you today how to get free from being so negative toward yourself and beating yourself up. You know, you might not have an issue toward... You might, you might be the most clear and clean and free 
non-judgmental person, forgiving, kind toward other people, but you rage against yourself. So that's where we're going today. Um, you know, you might live this life of constantly comparing yourself. I want to ask you to raise your hand, but it's for you today if you feel like you're not doing enough in life or you feel like you're not good enough or you haven't accomplished enough yet or you're a certain age and you feel like you should be further along by now. Now, some of those things may be true. I'm not, I'm not alleviating the aspect of responsibility to yield to the Spirit of God unto transformation to produce fruit and live within the holiness and righteousness that He's given us. We're not alleviating that responsibility, but we're just removing the component of condemnation and self-judgment because for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Now, you might be continually messing up and you feel guilty, but here's the thing. You have to know that God is not holding that thing against you. God is not looking at you and seeing your failure and your continued sin and using that as justification to make your life difficult because He's already placed all, all judgment, sentencing, and punishment for those mistakes on Jesus once and for all. Amen? Even at, the, even at the resurrection, in the final judgment, when everybody stands before Him, the judgment is not, did you sin or not? The judgment is, do you have the Spirit of God? So it's not even sin, it's not even then where God's dealt with sin. But see, what we do is we mess up and we think that we feel bad that God's looking at us. I have this passage here, and this is where we're going to start. This is 1 Peter 3, and I'm in the New King James, 1 Peter 3, verse 3. Now, contextually, Peter's talking to women uh, in this particular verse or in this section, but there's a principle in here we can lift out and apply to ourselves. And I have a question here, and it's a, it can be a challenging question. So, don't let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel, now, look, don't worry about that. This is not saying don't wear gold, fix your hair, and look nice. That's, that's not, this is, because you hear sometimes you hear stuff like this preached and people that like to get dressed up feel guilty and condemned. No, God's not, you know, this is not condemnation for that. Do your thing. But what he's talking about contextually is verse four. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. So this is what we're talking about, the hidden person of the heart with the, corrupt, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Here's the question. Do you, in the hidden person of your heart, the deepest part of who you are, where all the secrets live and dwell, all the stuff that nobody knows about you, the hidden person of the heart, do you believe that that person is precious in God's sight? You say you do. And like we know that's the right answer, but what about when you keep missing it over and over and over and over again? Now, there's a paradox here because it's not that you should just get comfortable with your sin and just say, oh, it doesn't matter, God loves me. That's unwise, that's foolish, that's immature. 
But to say, ah, it doesn't matter, God loves me, is actually the freedom that you need to break free from the power of that continual sin. Now, you can't, it's not that it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying. But you have to get to the place where you realize God loves me, just like summer grace. I mean, if summer grace grows up to be the most... I'm not even going to speak it, but you know what I mean. She goes crazy, let's say. They are not going to stop loving her. Their heart might break for her. They might, she might, her actions and choices might bring them to a place where they can't do anything for her anymore because she has cut herself off from them. But the love of those parents toward her will never stop. That's how God sees you. Amen. 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 And, and, and so what we're trying to do is shift how we see God through the lens of the finished work of Christ, through what Jesus has done and the value for us that was displayed in the sacrifice of Christ. Now, that actually is the secret of how you break free from guilt, shame, self-judgment, and condemnation. By the way, condemnation means a, a damnatory sentence. So, like, our language would be, there's a, the trial happens... The evidence is collected. The, ju the judge and the jury make a decision. A judgment is made. A verdict is passed of guilty or non-guilty. Then comes the condemnation. In other words, the sentence, the punishment. See, we live under self-condemnation, and we are really good at determining what our punishment should be. But you don't, we don't realize that God has already punished Jesus. Now, does that make you want to sin? Does that make you think, well, I can just get away with it and because God's not going to punish me for it, that it's not a big deal? No, only, a, only an immature mind would respond that way. Like if you, if you hear this message and you think that, grow up. Amen. Can I say that? Yeah. Grow up. I mean, really. Rather, let the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. You know, I don't want to break it down into steps, but step one, know that in the deepest part of what and who you are, I mean, the deepest place of who and what you are is precious in God's sight. Amen. Amen. To add a little bit of Jesus to it, and this is John 5, 24. <clears throat> and this is... Uh, Probably a little bit different translation here. I'll read this one. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Like we read that kind of stuff and we understand that that has something to do with the cross, but you have to understand that your life as a Jesus follower is completely defined by that. There is no judgment for you. Are you with me? So when you understand that God has set you free from judgment because Jesus took it all, it gives you a little bit of ammunition within to stop judging yourself. You don't make excuses for the mistakes. You don't water them down. You don't sweep them under the rug. But you recognize Jesus paid for it. Because here's the deal. What you need is God's influence in your heart to experience transformation, to move past that destructive cycle, that sin, the failure, the lie, the condemnation, the guilt, the shame, the less than feeling, 
you need God's influence in your heart to move past that. If you think that that guilt you're feeling on the inside is from God because you are guilty in His sight, it will reinforce that behavior and you'll own it. And you'll live within it. You'll keep living within it. But when you realize, man, it, it is right and proper for me to feel the weight of my mistakes inside, but I'm going to use that as a remembrance to shift my thinking back toward Jesus already paid for this. God is not holding this thing against me to put guilt and shame within me. He has set me free from guilt and shame. So I'm going to use that as the fuel and the power, God's love for me, to start to move away from this stuff. And that is the repentant lifestyle. That is, that is repentance. Repentance is, isn't, is not when you go to God and you convince Him how sorry you are, and then He says, well done, here's some forgiveness. I like this move today. I don't know why. <laughs> like, that's what we think repentance is. If the whole nation would beg God and apologize to God and convince God how sorry we are. I mean, are you kidding me? No, that's not re repentance. is, oh, I think I'll go, I think I'll do this differently. Amen. Repentance is a result of you've seen the truth. You recognize who He is. You recognize who you are in Him. You see a different way. You realize your past ways are destructive. And you're like, man, there might be remorse. You might feel a sense of guilt and shame. But that's not from God. That's the fruit of sin bearing in your life. The freedom that you need is to look and say, I don't want that stuff anymore because I know that with God is life and blessing not guilt and shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's just what it says. Next verse, 1 Peter 3. Again, just to reinforce this idea, 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, once for sins. Now, here's what is hard. Here, this is challenging because it's once for all sins. Now, did God or did Jesus die for your past sins or your future sins? You believe that? I mean, really? Because people will say, well, He's forgiven you from your past sins, but He might not forgive you for your future sins because you can lose your salvation and slide back into it, all that stuff, you know? Now, does that mean the fact that you are pre-forgiven for any sinning that you might do that you're already forgiven for any sinning that you might do, does that mean you should continue in sin? No. See, Paul must have preached the gospel because they would come to Paul and say, well, are you saying that we should continue in sin? Grace may abound? God forbid. No. No. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. Don't sin. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. there's a level of maturity that you have to understand what he's talking about to really walk in the strength and the power of that. Are you with me? So here's where we're going. Next verse, Ephesians 4, 21. Um, did we have the new living? Is that what that one is? Okay. Since you have heard about Jesus, have you heard about Jesus? and have learned the truth that comes from Him. Throw off your old sinful nature. Now, sinful nature is a bit deceiving because you have to understand in Colossians, he says, a circumcision was performed on you where He removed the body of sin. 
where it would be considered sin nature. That sin nature, that propensity towards sin that makes you a sinner has been removed from you in Christ. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God or created in the image of God, truly righteous and holy. Remember that you have been recreated to be not just act, but by nature, truly holy and righteous. And religion runs for the hills screaming heretic. It just does because it doesn't understand the transformative work of the Spirit of God in a human heart to take out that old and put in the new. So why do we keep, why do I want to sin so bad? I don't know, you tell me. Why do you want to sin so bad? That's a good question. Stop it. See what I did there? No, I'm telling you, I will sit with people in counseling and they will use their desire for the sin as justification that they are still some kind of sinner. It's like, no, you just don't know who you are in Christ yet. When you know who you are in Christ, your attitudes and your desires will change. How do you know who you are in Christ? You sit and you meditate and ponder on the fact that God sent Jesus into this earth to die for you. Not because God was angry like some pagan God and he needed blood spilt, but there's an, there's an element of the incarnation that we don't, or I don't think we really fully understand because it's just a spiritual thing, but, the, the, but God becoming human. It's like God gave us this place. Humans had dominion over it, but a, only a human could correct it as a way for all humans forward. And so that's what God said. He said, look, they can't do it themselves. They've messed it up, so I'm going down there as one of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live as one of them. I'm going to die as one of them. I'm going to pass into the grave, through the grave, and rise as one of them. Was he God? Absolutely. But he limited himself in all ways and became like us. In fact, it's actually antichrist to say that God, that, that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. That doesn't mean that antichrist spirit denies the existence of Jesus, but it denies that God came in the flesh. If you don't think that Jesus was a human and could have sinned, you are under the deception of the Antichrist spirit. How you like them apples? That makes you feel really good. I mean, I, I, you know, kind of messing with some of your theology maybe a little bit. Jesus, in every way, was like you. Now, he didn't, you know, he didn't need to be born again. He was born, born again, so to speak. But you're born again. You're born again. You're like Jesus was when he was here. You're full of the Spirit of God. You are forgiven. Well, he didn't need to be forgiven, but you know what I mean. You are, have his grace alive within you. You are directly connected to the Father. You're in the family. It's powerful. When you understand that Jesus came here and he, and he, basically what, he, what God did was he became a human and he wrecked and destroyed and disempowered anything that would keep humans separate from God in, in eternal life. And that's what he did. He destroyed the power of separation. 
sin and darkness, all of that stuff. God came here and destroyed the power, the wall of separation between humans and Him. To me, I think about it less in terms of morality and more in terms of energetics. It's like He came into the darkness and brought the light and chased out the darkness. And so now those that were left that were in the darkness now have access to this light and can live with Him forever. You know what I mean? Now the law was to keep us from completely wiping out the planet in the meantime, to separate a people unto Him. But anyway, I'm getting in. I'm pre-studying where we're going after the next couple of weeks. I'm going to go through this whole Old Covenant, New Covenant thing. I'm excited about it. But So here's where we're going today. And it, this is the last verse. I'm going to read kind of a large chunk here and then wrap up. But the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that you feel may be justified. You might need to feel it, but you also need to let it go. The strength of sin is the law. If the law is within you and it's creating guilt and shame, that is what's giving strength to the sin. What you do is you understand and you realize that Jesus fulfilled the law on my behalf. The punishment and the handwriting of its ordinances and all the legalities written within the law were nailed to His cross and He became my sin. He took the punishment for the stuff that I'm feeling guilty about. Does that mean you should just continue in it even though you feel guilty? No. Are you with me? Have I made that point? Maybe I'll stop saying that part. But we want to be free from all that stuff that's inside of us. Now, I hope that you catch this because it has this answer and this way forward of living in harmony and peace with God and with other people, no matter what they've done to you, no matter what you've done to you, there is a peace and there's a rest that you can live within because your Father God loves you. And in the deepest part of who you are, that hidden man of the heart sees you as precious in His sight. This process will bring you to a place where you see yourself as precious in His sight in the deepest part of who you are, no matter what you've done or will do because that's just how He sees you. He separates what you've done from who you are and the connection that you have with Him. And He reinforces that. And the more that you rest in and you are shaped in your mind and your identity by that connection, the less that stuff will mess with you. 1 John 3, 14. We know... So Jesus, again, earlier He said, there's no judgment... You've passed from death to life, and this is a reinforcement. Um, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Now think about that. The way that you know that you, because you have believed on Christ, the way that you know that you've passed from death to life is that you love each other. Like the fruit that you have passed from death to life is that you love each other. Like really? Like, I thought the fruit of me being born again was I get really good at not sinning. No, it's the fact that you love. Okay. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal, eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is, all right? You want to know what love is? Here it is. Jesus Christ 
laid down his life for us. You want to be free from guilt and shame and condemnation and beating yourself up all the time and walk around feeling guilty, feeling less than, not being completely aware that you are precious in God's sight? You want to be free from that? Meditate on the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. Well, I did that the first time I went to church. They taught me that in Sunday school. Well, that's the power. I'm telling you, this version of Christianity that tries to teach you all these new kind of things and that this is a fresh revelation and God's doing a new thing and this is what God's doing now. <laughs> the only thing that God's getting ready to do is to remind you of what He's already done. Amen. Now, I get it. You know, God is alive and active and moving forward. I'm not saying He's just sitting there kicking back going, I ain't, I'm tired, I'm done. No, he's alive and active. He's speaking and moving and all that kind of stuff. And there are things that happen that he'll get involved in, I think. I don't want to try to define all that stuff. But you want to know what love is? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. If that's not powerful for you, it's time to soften your heart toward the Spirit of God. Because that is the power. Are you with me? Like if that seems basic and elementary, like you already know that, well, it's time for it to move beyond knowledge to a self-defining experience that you have with God in your heart. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Amen. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Stay on 19 for a second. This is where I want you to be, where in your heart you are at rest in His presence. Like that's the promise for you. For you to know that you are precious in His sight, in the hidden heart of the man, brings you to a place where you are at rest in His presence. I mean, like when you sit down with God and you pray and you meditate and you connect on Him, do you feel, do you feel like you're waiting for a to-do list? Or do you feel like you can just sit and, and, and appreciate that you are precious in His sight? I mean, Summer Grace, you're staring at her. What do you expect from her? All you want is that child to look at you and acknowledge you and smile. Like if you can get a baby to smile at you, you've won. Are you with me? I mean, look at how grown adults act. She leaned toward me. She didn't lean towards you. You know, just the, just the attention, the acknowledgement. That's what he says, acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths. At its fundamental level, now obviously, you know, adulthood, expectations, I get all that. But at its fundamental level, it being the relationship that we have with God, that's it. Acknowledge Him. And He gets giddy when you acknowledge His love for you. It's powerful. If you're having trouble grasping this, I understand that. Maybe it's time to sit within that presence, knowing you're precious in His sight, meditating on that love,
for you expressed in Jesus and feel the power of that. We're looking for signs and wonders and phenomenal things and the right revelation. It's like, no. Can you be moved by the love of God? Can you put yourself at rest to the point where you make yourself impressionable to God and you are moved at the deepest part of who you are by His love for you? And then that reciprocates into the world as love for others. Watch this, verse 20. Uh, verse, let's look at 19 again. This is how we know that we belong to the truth, how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Praise God for that. You know, we focus on the heart a lot around here. We kind of look at this as a heart journey, the journey of understanding your identity in Christ, taking responsibility, now, not that you have to complete it, but taking responsibility for that new identity and living within it well, letting that grace rise up within you and teach you and lead you and guide you to bear fruit out of holiness and righteousness, you know? I mean, that's the expectation. And if you don't fulfill that expectation, your heart will condemn you. God's not condemning you. You are condemning you. You are pronouncing a damnatory sentence that is expecting punishment on yourself. Why? When you're not walking in love toward others. Now, there's two levels to have that conversation. One, very shallow, you're not walking in love, therefore you're condemned in your heart, like it's an act. But the deeper understanding is, no, when you are expressing love, it's because you have had this moment with God and you are loving people out of this experience that you've had with Him that's how you know love. And that's how you walk out of your heart condemning you. Remember how we talked about it? We're starting, we started it here, that, that all this guilt and shame and self-condemnation and self-judgment that we walk in, the way out of it is not just, I'm going to love people today, and you're like some robot, gonna, and you're going to fulfill a law, like a commandment. I'm going to keep the commandment of loving people so my heart will be free. No. It starts with you knowing the power, the transformative aspect of the gospel, the power of salvation. Jesus died for you. I mean, I, I, I wish I could articulate it. and I, You know what I'm talking about. You've had those moments where you're sitting there and you, you, it, it hits you what God has done for you through Christ. Live there. Keep your heart there. So if our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. You're not stuck in it. He knows everything. Dear friends, watch this. If our, heart, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. I mean, how many of you can legitimately say, I have confidence before God? Or do you feel like you're supposed to be trembling before God? If you feel like you're supposed to be trembling and afraid of God, it's time to make that journey right on into the new covenant and understand how God relates to you through Jesus now. Now, I don't mean that you're buddies with God and you know, you, you dis emasculate Him or whatever. You, I'm talking you, but you're confident that that's your Father and you are His child and you are precious in His sight. Amen. That is the solution to this guilt and the shame and the self-condemnation that you walk in because that will then disempower the behaviors that drive the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. 
Now, we get to do this for other people. When somebody in your life really messes it and blows it, it's not just... Forgiveness is not just for you to forgive them so you feel better. They need to experience your forgiveness because it will teach them. When you forgive others and you actually display it toward them and love them and pray for them and actually love them, it's powerful. It shows them, man, if I can experience that from that person, I can experience it from God. And somebody might not be able to experience it from God until they experience it from you. You owe it to people to forgive them. However, that doesn't mean you're a doormat and you empower destructive behaviors and you don't have any clear boundaries and you're just some codependent twit that just makes excuses for everybody. No, I'm not talking about that. Just make that clear. You with me? All right, good. Watch this, verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Boy, doesn't that just make you mad? I mean, preach that and watch what happens. Well, let me tell you what. If, your heart, if you're walking in love and your heart doesn't condemn you, you got confidence before God, you have anything you ask. Amen. Oh, you must be one of those prosperity preachers. I'm reading, I'm reading the Bible. You receive from Him anything we ask. I'm not so sure that includes Bugattis. You know, you know what I mean. Righteousness, peace, joy. All right. Because, so confidence before God, anything you ask, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. There it is right there. Keep the commandments. Say so keep reading. Okay. And this is His commandment. I love that. He's like, you got to keep the commandments. Oh, let me define the commandments. This is His commandment, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you believe in His name? Amen. Name meaning His authority, His power, His character, who He is, uh, and to love one another as He commanded us. That is what brings you to a place where your heart is confidence before God. The one who keeps His commands lives in Him and He in them, and this is how we know that He lives in us we know it by the Spirit He gave us. If your heart is condemning you, it's because you're not loving God. If you're not loving God, it's because you are not presently experiencing His love for you. Because you love God because He first loved you. Do you see that? The only way to love God is to know first His love for you. It's reciprocal. You know His love for you by being rooted in the fact that Jesus laid down His life for you. And His love is perfected and matured within you as you walk in that love toward others. If you find yourself being bitter and angry and cut off from the world and not wanting to be around people, I know what's going on. You are not letting yourself experience the love of God for you. You do not realize that in the deepest part of who you are, that hidden man of the heart, you're precious in His sight. You have become bitter and mean, and it's hard, to it's hard to love people when you're judging them. Now, you might recognize and observe that they are acting a fool, but that gives you no right to judge them. You have no clue what's going on within their heart. 
You can't determine their character. You can't devalue them because of their behavior. It's hard to love people when you're judging them. It's hard to love God and experience God's love for you if you think He's currently judging you. So all of that, i got this little formula here. You ready? Forgiveness plus love equals freedom. When you know that you're forgiven and you know that God loves you, you're free. Forgiveness plus love equals freedom. Knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that you're loved is the power that you need to be free from the stuff that's holding you back. On the flip side of that, forgiveness plus love is freedom, is forgiving others and walking in love toward them sets you free from them controlling you in your mind and in your heart. Freedom plus love equals forgiveness. If you're walking around and you just, you know, you're just hard to be around. I'm trying not to look at anybody. I'm looking down here. I don't want you to think I'm talking about you. You, you know, maybe just, I don't, I don't fit in. I don't really care for people that much. I, you know, I, I just got my little bubble here and I'm fine. You need to experience the love of God, man. When you truly experience the love of God, you fall in love with people. You can't help it. You don't even want to judge them. You look at them, do something stupid, and the Southern comes out. Oh, bless their heart. <laughs> and you just want to love them. And it is that love they need from you to know God's love for them to be free from the thing that you want to judge them about. I've got this thing going around in my mind. I don't even know who said it. I got it from somebody. Talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. <laughs> Boiling all this down, you walk in this guilt, this shame, this self-condemnation, this self-judgment, knowing the love of God for you, personalizing it, knowing that you're precious in His sight, in the hidden man of your heart, putting off the old man, putting on the new man, walking in love toward others, taking responsibility to let God love you. At the end of all that, talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Are you with me? Because when you're running those cycles, you're listening to yourself. I'm stupid. This person did this to me. I've made this mistake. You might be living with a mistake that you can't get rid of. Not that you would even want to get rid of it, if, you, if, you, if you're with me. You might have made a mistake that is actually a joy in your life now. What are you going to do? Realize you are precious in His sight. God absolutely adores you and would never hold that against you and has found a way to love you in the middle of it and compel you forward to bring glory to His life. I don't care what they say. They say. Forget they. They need to know the love of God. You pray for them. You let God love you. Because that's the freedom you need. Let God love you. Don't talk, don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself the truth of what Jesus has done for you, of who you are in Him, of how He sees you. It might start this. You're sitting there and you're just feeling the weight. And you remember, no, I am precious in His sight, in my hidden man. The deepest part of me where I've made some serious messes is precious in God's sight. Sit there, meditate on that until you feel His love for you. 
And it is so powerful. It is so powerful to set you free from all that junk. Because God's a good Father and all He wants you to do is look at Him and smile and acknowledge Him. Because He knows. He knows. There's just a dynamic. When you acknowledge Him, you're going to be led, leadable. Acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. If you acknowledge Him, you're sending a message in your heart. Okay, I will follow you. I'll follow you, Lord, because I know that you love me and I can trust you. All this other junk, let it, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive me. I'm going to walk in love. I'm not going to put myself in a position to be hurt, but I'm going to let you love me, God, into freedom because I am precious in your sight, in the hidden man of my heart. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the plan of salvation. Jesus, we thank you for being obedient to the death of the cross and showing us God's love for us. And we just want to experience that because we know all these things happen as a result of letting you love us. We trust you. Just tell him that you trust him. I trust you. I trust that you're good and that you're only good. I trust that you have good plans for me and that you want to be a blessing in my life. And I love you. I love the fact, God, that you get happy when I acknowledge you. I want this to be a relationship that's reciprocal where I'm experiencing your love, you're experiencing my love, and it's shaping and molding me into a loving person that goes out and shows the world what you are really and truly like. Thank you for that gift, Lord. Amen.